Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Courtney Doctor about joy. This is a topic that I need y'all and it's so important. Amidst a lot of other stuff, Courtney and I talked about how God is both joyful and the source of our joy. She said, the source of our joy actually affects the quality of our joy, meaning that if the source of our joy is volatile, um, our joy is volatile. If the source of our joy disappears, then our joy disappears. But if the source of our joy is God who never changes, then that means that our joy can remain. It can it can be steadfast. It can endure regardless of our circumstances. This conversation is just a potent reminder to look to the Lord as the source of our joy, not our circumstances, not other things, but to look to Christ. So you know a little bit more about our guest. Courtney Doctor is an author, Bible teacher, frequent conference and retreat speaker, and a periodic blogger. She received an MDiv from Covenant Theological Seminary and is the author of From Garden to Glory, a Bible study on the Bible's story, and Steadfast, a devotional Bible study on the book of James. She currently serves as the coordinator of women's training and content for the Gospel Coalition and as a visiting instructor to communication at Covenant Theological Seminary. Courtney also has a love for education and she serves on the advisory board for Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. All right, let's get into the show with Courtney Doctor on the topic of joy. Courtney Doctor, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is so fun. I am sitting in my little sound booth that Brooks constructed for me, and I feel like I could sit here all day if Bo didn't require me to step out and nurse just so that I could talk to you because we've been chatting for just the last couple of minutes, and it's a delight to finally connect in real time. You're somebody that I have respected at a distance for a really long time. Uh, My first introduction to you is actually through your book, From Garden to Glory, which is a Bible study on the story of the Bible, the big story, the meta narrative of Scripture. Uh, And my church actually at Fort Campbell in Kentucky was going through your book right when we arrived uh, to Clarksville, Tennessee. It's right on the border there. And so that was the first introduction that I had to you. And then I've become more familiar with you through your work at the Gospel Coalition. It's just such a joy to get to talk to you today. Oh, likewise. Likewise. This is so fun for me. 
It's pretty crazy. I'm like, wow, I'm talking to the lady whose Bible study I read. I feel like such a fangirl. But can you please share with the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Because, yes, you do all of this wonderful work professionally, but I also know you have a great affection for your family. And that's really fun to get to catch snippets of on Instagram. So tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, I didn't know you had done the study. That's so fun to hear uh, that we connected in that way. It's fun to know how paths cross, right? But like you said, I do work for the Gospel Coalition. I've only been working for them for about a year, but I absolutely love it. I work in two main kind of areas. I help Melissa Kruger with the conference, getting ready for the big conference that'll be in June next year, TGCW 20. Uh, June 11th through 13th in Indianapolis. And for the first time, so the the conference always studies the book of the Bible, and Mm -hmm. we'll be studying the book of James this year, which I'm really excited about. So the, the conference is titled Steadfast, Faithfully Living the Word of Truth. And part of what they hired me to do was to write a Bible study to go along with the conference, which is the first time we've done that. So Oh, cool. That is finished, and it'll be out in a couple of weeks. It's also called Steadfast, but it's arranged so that each chapter goes along with one keynote. So so the videos mm. can be used as teaching time if, if you need a, a, a teacher on screen, if you don't have a local one, but you certainly don't need to use them. So that is, is coming out. Uh, sort of the hopes are that people will either do it in preparation for the conference or uh, take it home and and do it after listening to the teaching at the conference. And then the other piece I help with is the Women's Training Network, which um, coming alongside Taylor Turkington, and and that's where we have regional events that are aimed at equipping women to use the scriptures well in really a variety of settings. So discipleship or evangelism or teaching or leadership or church ministry or wherever you're serving, how do you how do you interpret and and use the scriptures well? So that's been a real joy. I highly recommend anyone listening to check out those resources. I mean, the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference, I don't know, I haven't announced this on the podcast, Courtney, but Journey Women's going to be there. Like, we're going to be I doing know. a live event. I know. I'm so excited about that. I'm going to walk by and heckle you. <laughs> Please don't. I'm going to have to like bring my sound booth with me just so I feel a little bit more comfortable about that situation. But genuinely, I had the opportunity to go to the conference two years ago in 2018. I guess it was just a year ago. So 2018. And it was so rich and so wonderful. And many, many of the guests that we have had on the podcast actually speak, whether it be during a keynote session or a breakout session. So definitely check that out. And then the Women's Training Network, Courtney, it is amazing what you guys are doing. I have never been to a women's training network event, but it is something that is definitely on my bucket list. It's just such a cool tool for equipping the local church so that women can teach um, in the local church. And I just thank you so much for y'all's work in that capacity. Oh, it's a joy. It really is. I, I really am coming alongside Taylor and her vision. And it's just beautiful. Like you said, it's such a joy to be a part of. We need to have her on the podcast. Yeah. Great. <laughs> okay. So continue. Tell us about the babies. Okay, if you ask. So I am married. Uh, my husband's <laughs> name is Craig, and he is a pastor now, but that is not not what he was for 20-some-odd years. Oh, uh, really? That's so yeah, cool. Yeah. What did he do prior? He was in corporate finance. And oh, my and goodness. And both felt the call to go to seminary. So we wow. literally sold the farm, like in every sense of that word. We lived on 15 acres, um, and wow. we moved to St. Louis to go to seminary together. Yeah, so he's a 
he's a pastor now. He's been doing that for six years. And so <laughs> I still am adjusting to the fact that I'm a pastor's wife, but I love it. We have four children ranging in age from the youngest is 19 and the oldest is 29, which is a little surreal to say sometimes. But um, we have two amazing daughter-in-laws and we now have four grandsons, but you know this, Hunter, um, three of them were born in the last eight weeks. So it has You're been, overflowing uh-huh. with joy. <laughs> How appropriate. It's so appropriate that you have me talk about joy. I also could have talked about exhaustion because I've been helping with each other. <laughs> but uh, it's so fun. It's a new stage of life with our youngest being in college now and at the exact same time uh, becoming grandparents. It was a sort of an identity shift, but in all the all the right ways. This is so perfect. We have so many women who are listening to the show that are more mature listeners, and they're always writing me and they're like, I don't think I'm your primary demographic, but (laughs) so I feel like they'll feel a lot of solidarity in this conversation. And yes, I love it. I love catching glimpses of your family. And man, it's a joy. It's a joy. And that's the thing that we're going to talk about today. One of the things that we've been talking about in this series is how the fruit of the Spirit are really an invitation to mirror the character of God. So honing in on the topic of joy and in light of what I just said about mirroring the character of God, how is God joyful? You know, I think that joy is probably an aspect of God's character that is a little bit less obvious, right? I mean, right. as you look through the the fruit of the Spirit and you think, well, love, ab- absolutely we know God is love. I mean, he defines himself as one with that has steadfast love, uh, that he's abounding in it. And and even patience, uh, you know, he says, I'm slow Ooh, yes. to anger. And so we know that he's patient uh, and, and that we're told to mirror those things. I think that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is really all about, that love is these things. It is patient. It is kind. And we know that God is kind. We know that he is good. We know that he's faithful. We know mm-hmm. that he's, he's gentle. Um these are these are things that we know about him, but I don't think we very often think about the fact that God is joyful. But he is. Mm-hmm. He, I think it is so fun to think about that. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 16. It has different verses in it that are really significant to me and how I try to sort of a lens through which I see my life. But the, the ending of Psalm 16, verse 11, David says, in your presence, mm. there is fullness of joy mm-hmm. um, and it's right hand or pleasures forevermore. And so if we think about that, those of us who are in Christ, when we stand in the presence of God, We think about it with fear and trembling, but what David's saying here is that we are going to experience, if we're in Christ, a fullness of joy that we have never had before simply by being in his presence, because that's where the joy is. And Jesus, who's the the visible image of the Father, as he's getting ready to, to leave his disciples and he's having that Thursday night conversation with them, he says, you know, I've, I've been telling you these things so that my joy, you know, he doesn't just say so that you'll have joy, but he says so that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be full. And so the joy of the Lord that we think about, it's not just something that he gives. It's actually part of his own character, meaning we serve a deeply joyful God and he longs for us to know his joy, which is just astounding to me to think about. 
Yes. I'm like crying in the closet. What? <laughs> Courtney, <laughs> you can't do this to me this early in the interview. <laughs> I'm derailed. Good thing I'm not wearing makeup. <laughs> hey there, friend. I'm in my workout clothes. <laughs> Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I don't know. Like, it's, I'm tender because, like, so often, and I, I just, I feel like a lot of the mothers will resonate with this where you're like, man, I want to be joyful and I want to feel that joy. But it's sometimes the fight for joy. And throughout scripture, we're encouraged to be joyful and to be filled with joy. But sometimes it's like, well, where does that joy come from? That question, where does that joy come from, is actually, it's the key to Christian joy. The source of our joy is actually the key to understanding it because it's what distinguishes it from every other type of joy. You know, unbelievers, they can and do, and and we've all experienced too, this type of joy, this feeling that we call joy. And it's it's what happens when life is going well or when things are really going our way. You know, it's those times right after we get whatever it is we've been wanting. We want a job or we want a boyfriend or a spouse or a house or we want, mm-hmm. you know, our sports team to win, whatever it is. When that thing happens, when we get that, there's this feeling of satisfaction and happiness and contentment. And those things are not wrong. It's just that we tend to stop with thinking that that version of joy is the best we can hope for, that that that's our joy. And, you know, C.S. Lewis, you can hardly talk about joy without talking about him, but he's famously said, you know, he he talks about the fact that it would seem that our Lord finds our desires uh, not too strong, but too weak. He says, we're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And then he says, he uses this analogy, he says, it's like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday Mm -hmm. at the sea. And his point is that there is a there is a deeper joy. There's a richer joy. There's a, a more secure joy, this thing that he calls infinite joy that's offered to us in Christ that we way too often settle for this lesser joy. And so I think that ultimately this question of what is the source of our joy, the source of our joy actually affects the quality of our joy, meaning that if the source of our joy is volatile, um, our joy is volatile. If the source of our joy disappears, then our joy disappears. But if the source of our joy 
is God who never changes, then then that means that our joy can remain. It can it can be steadfast. It can endure regardless of our circumstances. And I love that. I love thinking about that. Someone once said, and I can't remember who said it, but it was, joy is the flag flown over the heart of the believer announcing that the king is in residence there. And it meaning it's such a defining mark of the Christian because when when Christ himself takes up residence in our heart, you know, this joy that he brings, his joy, my joy that he wants to to give to us, he says, becomes ours. And then that joy becomes this defining mark of our of our faith. And I think we've all seen that in others, right? This otherworldly joy, this joy in spite of our circumstances. And so so the source of our joy is Christ himself and being united um, to him. Mm-hmm. And then joy actually declares that we belong to him. I was just talking to a friend who they had a tragic loss in their family. And I was remembering uh, a conversation that I shared with Johnny Erickson Tata, which is going to air later in this series mm-hmm. on goodness. And you're just talking to Johnny and you know her story. You have to stay tuned or look her up. She's absolutely phenomenal. But she's navigated life with quadriplegia for, I believe, 53 years this October. And listening to her speak, Courtney, it was like, wow, she is filled with joy. And yet mm-hmm. the circumstances that she has endured, not to mention she's also faced cancer many times, and yet she is truly filled with joy. I really appreciate how you brought out that we can have joy in spite of difficult circumstances. What is it that sustains our joy when things are really, really challenging? Yeah, that is such an important question. And I think that I love that that the passage in Galatians that Paul chose to use this agricultural image Hmm. because it's there's something about it that reveals to us both that it's a mystery and it's very practical. So every time these agricultural images are used in scripture, just this morning in my quiet time, I was in Mark four mm-hmm. and Mark four, let me see, I have my Bible right over here. In Mark four, he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He's the, the farmer sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. So the farmer's doing all this work, right? The mm-hmm. farmer rising night and day and he's scattering the seed and you know he's tilling the soil and you know he's pruning the vines and you know he's harvesting the fruit he's he's doing all of these things that require i mean if you know a farmer it's a lot of effort yes and yet it says and he knows not how it produces the fruit so <laughs> I, I feel like this guy i really I, do I know because it's both and at the same time. You know, John, uh, Jesus tells us John 15, abide in me because apart from yeah. me, you won't bear anything. But in me, you're going to bear much fruit, even fruit that will last. And so so there's this aspect of we we abide, we which means remain. We we ask, we we live it out and yet at the same time it takes work and effort. We have to be intentional. You know, our, our will is involved. Our volition is involved in this. And Don Carson kind of coined the phrase grace-driven effort. He was talking about it in, in the context of pursuit of holiness, but this grace-driven effort. Apart from grace, we don't make the effort, but but hmm. with God's grace. And so, 
So this idea of sustaining joy, sorry, that was a long sort of lead in to actually answering your question, but I think that they both have to be acknowledged. I have a friend who talks a lot about exactly what you said, the fighting for joy. And so, because there are times that we, that we have to fight for this joy. Uh, and I think most of the fight, most of the battle takes place in our minds, um, and what we think and what we choose to think. And so I think part of sustaining joy, it has to be abiding in Christ alone, right? That's the mystery part of it. And then the practical part of it is that we take our thoughts captive and we intentionally set our minds on things above. And so I like to think about it as think about what he's done, think about what he's doing and think about what he will do. So there's a a past, present and future aspect to it, that we remember what God has done in the past. We look back and we, you know, we not only see our own sins forgiven, uh, we see our own salvation accomplished, but we see Christ accomplishing it and, and how he did that. Right. And even David, when he's experiencing this great forgiveness of the Lord again. You know, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And so, so I think that, that it is important for us to remember the gospel message that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me while I was hopeless and helpless, you know, he, he saved me. And so remembering what he's done uh, is meant to sustain our joy. But then there's also this present day aspect of it that that we need to believe currently today, right now, that God is doing a good work. And so we actively believe that he is working and he is sustaining and he is strengthening and he is helping and he is comforting and he is defending and he is providing, he's sanctifying, you know, all of these things that he's doing, believe that he is actually working out all things for his children. I think that's crucial in sustaining our joy in the midst of the circumstances that we believe God is doing what he says he's doing. And then ultimately it has to be set in our future hope. I mean, even, even Christ, right? That's that for the joy set before him endured the cross. And Mm -hmm. so it's this idea that Jesus knowing what was on the other side of it, that this joy was so sure and it was so great and it was so deep that he so trusted that, that he was able to count it all joy in the present. So I do think that there is an aspect of taking our thoughts captive, remembering, believing, and trusting, you know, past, present, and future that that helps sustain our joy. And then we are like the farmer that says, I don't even know how he's done it, but he's cultivated this thing in me. There's a harvest of joy in my life. One of the things that you continue to say is in Christ. And I love how you just gave us this picture. It's for the joy that he endured the cross. One of the things that we've been talking about in this series is like what it means to be in Christ. And you've also been using the phrase abiding in Christ. How are we in Christ and what does it mean to abide? Because, you know, we hear those phrases and to me, they feel a little bit up in the clouds. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, can you kind of bring that down to those of us who are standing right now doing dishes at the kitchen sink? Like, what does it mean for us to abide? Ultimately, the word means remain. It's actually, this is only, this is going to sound very nerdy, but I only know it because I just finished writing the study on steadfast. But uh, the word abide 
in the Greek is the root word of the word steadfast. Um, and so there's wow. a, yeah. And it's translated in a lot of other places as endure or remain. Um, so there's a steadiness to it. There's a, there's a willingness to accept sort of where he has us. I, I think in humility, I think humility is actually a huge part of joy yes. and that we rest in that knowing that he's doing something and that, that he's God and that we're not. And that, that if he is working this situation out, that we're trusting him for the, for the sure hope of our future glory, but we're also trusting him in the present. There's a, there's a remaining in it that I think is really important. And so the way those things are connected in, in my understanding would be that when we are lacking joy, so when our circumstances are really hard for us uh, to to cultivate joy and to fight for joy, then there is there's this humility in accepting his plan. So so yeah. when our when our circumstances are not going according to my plan, then joy actually declares that I trust the Lord's plan and I'm humble enough mm. to accept. Or, you know, think about somebody in financial difficulty. Joy proclaims that that person trusts the Lord's provision and is humble enough to live with them what he's chosen to provide. Right. So those things are it's a remain. It's a humble remaining and a trust that I think ends up cultivating joy. (laughs) Do you ever have those moments, Courtney, where you're like, how did I miss this? Like, did I just become a believer? (laughs) Do you ever have those where you're like, wow. I just got the gospel like for the first time, Uh, you know, and and I feel like in the last few years, really so much of it has happened through just the Journey Women podcast. I don't know. I don't know. The Lord is like humbling the mess out of me, Courtney. And I, I feel like I'm just now understanding, and it's probably also somewhat aligned with motherhood and how humbling that is because you just have no control over the situation at all. and I'm seeing that the Lord uses broken vessels for his glory. And and I'm talking to women and I'm like, your circuit like you are pressing into your weakness and in and through that God is glorified. I'm really learning like how much the Lord just magnifies himself through uh my humility and my brokenness. And that's a really hard yet beautiful thing. How does God bring himself glory as we delight in him and walk forward in humility and press into the joy that we have in Christ? I think ultimately joy, just because of exactly what we were just talking about, I think that joy declares um, our trust in him, that, that we trust what he's doing. We trust his promises. We trust his goodness. We trust his ways. And that's hard to trust his ways. We trust it his- is hard. That is hard when it's, when, when things are hard, that's like really tough. Yeah. And so I think that joy is actually the declaration that we trust that. And so mm. that brings him glory because it really is a, it's kind of a megaphone to the watching world that there is something greater out there than, mm 
my comfort or my ease or my, I I think that joy declares that we want God more than what he can give, that we want his presence Mm. than his provision. And I think that that's what joy declares. And so as that is being proclaimed to those around us, as he cultivates this thing in us, it, it brings him delight and joy and glory that, that we trust him. Yeah. I, you know, it's not what I expected. (laughs) I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. You know, Paul, throughout his letters, he's just constantly encouraging us to be joyful. Second Corinthians, he says, we can be joyful and we can be sorrowful simultaneously. Um, And then in Philippians, he says, we should rejoice (laughs) always. (laughs) So how is that possible? Well, I do think it's it's one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life that joy and sorrow can coexist. Yes. Uh, Talk about that, because I just don't think people get like, you know, you you see people experience a tragedy and it's hard for believers. I've noticed to be okay with not being okay. It's hard for them to be mournful in that. They just want to push on to everything is good. Um, And so I I would love for you to talk about how, how those two things can, you can hold them, like they can, they can coexist. Well, yeah, it's so important. And it's also important not to diminish uh, what Christian joy is. You know, it's not laughter. It's not lightness of, of spirit even. It's not happiness. I think we just can't have those things all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We can't be happy all the time. I can't laugh all the time. I don't feel light all Mm -hmm. the time. Yet when Paul tells us in Philippians, when the Lord tells us to rejoice at all times, I think it has to be something different than those things. And we've already said that Christian joy is categorically different uh, than any other type of joy. And I, I think the most obvious demonstration of that is this coexisting of, of deep joy and great sorrow um, mm-hmm. simultaneously. And, and it doesn't mean that we don't grieve honestly or we don't grieve well. We absolutely do. Um, death is it, it rips us at the core of who we are. We, we were not created to experience death. And so we don't diminish that. I mean, it, it took the death of God to defeat death. Death is a serious thing. I mean, the, the solution to death was, you know, more glorious and more gruesome than anybody could have imagined. So we don't diminish that. And yet at the same time, uh, he says that we can have joy and it's even a command. So in Philippians four, when he says rejoice in the Lord, Mm -hmm. Ways. Uh, and again, I say rejoice. I, I think we look at that. So it it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. There is a piece of it that's obedience. There's a piece of it that involves our volition and our will and our intentionality that we fight for. We are like the farmer that goes out and cultivates and sows and plants and reaps. And then we say, how, you know, how did it happen? But the key to that verse is in the verse. I mean, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And so to rejoice in Christ, to rejoice in our triune God is to rejoice in the fact that we've been united to him. The spirit of God unites us to the son of God and everything that was Christ's becomes ours. And so we rejoice in the fact that he will never leave us or forsake us. We rejoice in the fact that our salvation is secure. We we can rejoice in the fact that in Christ, for those who are in him, you know, he's working all things out 
for our good and for his glory. And that includes any of our present sufferings, any of our present trials. Um, and so, so the rejoicing comes in understanding the fact that we are eternally united to the Son of God. Mm, I love that so much. You know, I have had some really extreme emotions uh, in this transition. Courtney, we moved from Texas to New England. We were in the military, and now we're in an academic context. Just a lot of intensity. And I've had some really low lows, some really high highs, too. And I'm just curious because joy ha- it has been a, a, a battle for me to to just fight for joy. Um, I'd love to hear from you. What is it that helps you fight for joy when it doesn't come to you easily? Well, I don't think it necessarily comes to anybody easily, right? It's because because we tend to settle for this joy of oh, I I have what I want. My life looks the way I want it to look. And and we settle for that. And so when that goes away, it's like, oh, now I I no longer feel joyful. And and I think it's also realizing that everybody wants more joy. Nobody wants less joy, right? That's that's not the way we we live. We want more joy. Um, And so for me, I think the realization that I needed to shift from seeking more joy to seeking more of God. Amen. And realizing that the joy comes in in that um, that that there is this obedience in pursuing God, grace driven effort um, that we we pursue Him and we submit our wills to His will. We submit our ways to His way, and and that as we do that, He is in the process of giving us a joy that is an infinite joy. It's an eternal joy. It's a joy that is steadfast. It remains. It's, you know, as he says, remain in me, abide in me, and I will abide in you. That's also everything that's his, right? And so his joy then abides in us. So I, I for me, cultivating joy when it doesn't come easily really requires that I pursue more of God and humbly acknowledge that his ways are so much better than my ways. Um, and, and, and most of the time I don't necessarily believe that on the front end, you know, that that is, I always think my ways are better. I always think my plan is the best. I have, I'm an agenda. I have a plan. Uh, you know, it's surely it's God's going to bless it. And, uh, and he usually says, wait, come back here and let's, you know, let's do this my way. Your way is hard sometimes, Lord, but realizing that it's always better. Mm, I, I, you know, the other day I didn't know what to do. You know, when you're like really in it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, okay, Bible reading plan isn't going to work today. (laughs) And I just, it's interesting because in a conversation right next to yours is a conversation that I shared with David Platt, love, joy, peace. That's right. In my low moment, I just, I have this, this memory of David quoting Psalm 148 at the Southern Baptist Convention like years and years ago. But the way he said it, it just like, it's, stuck inside my heart. (laughs) And he just says, praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. And I just get down on my knees with my Bible and I read Psalm 148 through 150. And it had nothing to do with my circumstances. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with looking my face to the Lord and praising him. And it just, I'm telling you, I was filled with joy immediately. Uh, and I, I don't, there's so many culminating conversations that I've had on this show. The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness with Ruth Simons, The Will of God with Jen Wilkin. It's just, it all, I feel like what you're saying is just so reminiscent of so many things we've heard from women who have gone before us just to look away from ourselves and to look to Jesus. And in that, we will experience fullness of joy. That's a real encouragement to me. So glad. Me too. Me too. If somebody really wants to learn more about joy or about uh, the fruit of the Spirit or maybe study Galatians a little bit more intensely, do you have any resources that you would recommend? I do. I, you know, I don't think we can talk about joy without recommending C.S. Lewis's um, Surprised by Joy. It's, I have never read that. Oh, uh, it's so good. I mean, as you would expect, that sounds so right. silly. I mean, it's, it's really good. You should read it. It's, I will. Of his autobiographical journey of searching for joy and then being surprised at what it was and where it was. Uh, so very relevant to everything you and I have been talking about. And then I also think another classic, a newer classic, I, I don't think you can talk about joy either without talking about John Piper. So I was going to say that. I'm like, yes. Just, right. It's just so hard. <laughs> so when I, he wrote a book called When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy. Oh, I haven't read that either. What a joyful man. What a, a joy of the Lord just exudes from him. And then your dear friend and mine, Melissa Kruger, wrote yes. a Bible study in all things on the book of Philippians. But the, the subtitle is it's a Bible study on unshakable joy. Uh, so so a very practical get in the word, interact with the word and let the word have its effect on you. But Melissa's the best of the best. So those would be my three recommendations. Yes. And this is a great complimentary conversation because Melissa and I did talk about joy long ago on the podcast. And I have done that study and it is really, really well done. So highly recommend it. We'll be sure to link to those things in the show notes, as well as all the things that we talked about in regard to Women's Training Network, the Gospel Coalition, and the books that you're working on, the Steadfast Study. I can't wait to get my hands on that. So thank you so much for all these wonderful resources. It's funny. People always say, like, I feel like I have a whole host of new resources every time I listen to the Journey Women podcast. It can get expensive, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so true. You know, we always like to stick with the basics too, Courtney. <laughs> the Bible, you know, the local church. So if you're feeling a little broke, you got everything you need right there. Yeah, yep. so true. Oh, man. Well, definitely the Bible, the local church, Christian helps like what you've mentioned. Those are some of my simple joys, but I would love to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys? Well, I love that you categorize these as simple joys because after we've been talking about the joy of the Lord, as I think about what my simple joys, they are clearly circumstantial. Okay. So when I have these things, I feel a type of joy and it's not wrong. The Lord delights to give us simple joys along the way. But yeah, I thought, oh man, that's so hard to talk about simple joys after you've been talking about this other thing. But here are my three simple joys and they, they stand alone. But I will say that when the three converge, it is inexpressible joy. So <laughs> 
first one is an open window, like on it with a nice, so like 65 degrees. I actually, the house that we lived in in Kansas, I designed with like long flowy curtains just for the days I could have open windows. I I absolutely love an open window. New Hampshire is, I'm just saying there's ample opportunities if ever you want to come and visit. Yes. Yes. On an open window day. I do. I absolutely love an open window. It just, it really does cultivate joy in me. I do love when the entire house is clean at one time, you know, like, like when I sit down and I know the entire thing is Mm. clean, I am so happy. And then the third thing is pajamas. I love pajamas more than I should. My, my husband says that I can get in my pajamas. Like we can, he can pull in the garage and really before he even comes in the house, I will have run upstairs and put on my pajamas. (laughs) So when those three things converge, when I am in my pajamas next to an open window and my house is clean, it's, it's a game changer. Okay. So tell me, are you the type of person who has the wide pajama pant leg (laughs) or the skinny one? Cause there's a difference. Do I really have to admit this? You're the skinny one, aren't you? Um, well, you know, I think I'm both. Uh, so I actually (laughs) love like real pajamas like I do too like the kind you buy at the store not yes just a proper pair of pajamas I do. it signals your body to go into a rest mode I'm with I know. you I know <laughs> so yeah I'm either like matching pants and top you know yeah, that kind of pajamas. absolutely I have so or, many pairs yes mm-hmm. yeah or like leggings or joggers and a you know like a bigger pajama top Oh, yeah. I'm all over it. And New Hampshire is like so conducive to <laughs> pajama weather because you can actually wear the long pants and the long sleeves and okay, be comfortable. Sure. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm going to grab my pajamas. We're just going to sit in front of an open window. And I don't care if your house is clean. It's just my house. <laughs> yeah, you know it won't be. <laughs> oh, well, those are excellent. And Courtney, you know, it's just been a delight. I Like I said, I could sit in the sound booth and talk to you all day long. You have had an impact on my journey with Jesus and you continue to. And I always pray that the women that we welcome onto the show will serve as guideposts for the women who are listening in their journey to glorify God, that you will just be a guidepost pointing us to Jesus. And you've done that for us so beautifully today. Thank you so much. It, it just makes me want to know. I'm just so curious. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus? Hmm. You know, it really is. It, it is my husband. And that sounds you know, a little over spiritual, but I, he, he does point me to Jesus and he does, he displays the love of Christ to me, but we also very honestly laugh and, and say that we've also been the greatest means of sanctification, you know, that the Lord has mm-hmm. used to sanctify us. And so the impact that he's had on me is not always just like, Oh, look, he just showed me Jesus. You know, he just loved me like Christ loves me. Sometimes it's more like, Mm. oh, he's really making me realize, you know, how unlike Jesus I really Mm -hmm. am. So so the impact is is so significant, but it's it's in all three ways. He points Mm -hmm. me to Christ in his word. He shows me the love of Christ. uh, And then he requires me to pursue being conformed Mm. more to the image of Christ. Mm. Brooks and I have been married for almost eight years. And, you know, he's my dearest friend. I I can really resonate with a lot of what you're saying. But at the same time, he would sit here and say with me that this is the first time that we feel like really experienced 
some hardship in our marriage, just difficulty with communication. And this transition has just been a challenge for us. And one of the things we've been asking each other is what does it look like to pursue friendship with each other when we have little kids running around and we just feel like uh, we'll, we'll get done with our day, Courtney, and we'll look at each other and we'll be laughing because we're like, that was so intense. <laughs> this I know. Is so challenging. So do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to pass along to me and to the listeners who are in the throes of marriage and who are just learning to communicate and love each other better and who want to do that well, but who might find it a challenge in this season? I do think the intentionality is so important, but true confessions. Uh, We got married young, had children right away. And so we've been empty nesters for two years. I think we're just figuring it out in a new way, you know, when it the two of us. And so, so I get that because the, the, the fun and joy and chaos and, and Uh energy that it requires with little ones running around, um, it does overshadow. Um, but I would say it's just time, right? Uh, It, it just is, it's prioritizing. And I don't even think it's, Oh, set a date night. Yeah, dude, those are important, but it's also, you know what? Close the computer, um, turn the phone off and and spend those last twenty minutes of the day talking. Uh, it's it's and it's hard sometimes, right? It's like oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch my Netflix show, or I'm going to read my book, or I'm going to go do my thing. But but to prioritize that communication is it's just key. It's just key. We have this really funny thing in our marriage, and we figured it out a long eight years of just really transition. Courtney, we've moved, I think, five times in the last eight years. It's just been a lot of transition and a lot of stress, honestly, with deployments and different things like that. And so we figured out that Brooks goes a little bit inward when he's under stress. I go a lot outward. So it's a really interesting combination that we're having to navigate, you know, just because to the degree that I become extroverted when I'm stressed, he becomes introverted. And so we were asking ourselves that question the other day, just like, what does it look like to be a friend to each other uh, in a season of of real transition, real stress? And it's just a really good thing to have on the forefront of my mind. How can I be a friend to you? I think that's such a great question to ask. How can I be a friend? Because so often we, you know, we don't try to really recreate our friends in our, in our image, but we try to recreate our spouses in our image, yeah. right? That's not yeah. the image we want them created in. We want them to be conformed to the image of Christ. But so often it's like you just said, you go outward, he goes, inward. And so the tendency would be, well, Hey, you need to, you need to, you know, process outward. You need to be an external processor. Mm -hmm. You need to come over here and be like me. And, but if we're just being a friend, it just Mm -hmm. lets them be the way God's made them, uh, and, and delight in it. Enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy. I have so enjoyed our conversation about joy today. I say this at the end of many shows, but it truly has been a joy to have you on the Journey Women podcast. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It was truly a delight. I loved it. Guys, we hope this conversation encourages you to count it all joy in the midst of whatever you're facing. Don't forget that this episode is part of an entire series on the fruit of the spirit. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode with David Platt on peace. You can also find us debriefing the episodes on social media over at Journey Women Podcast. And guess what? We have the biggest giveaway in the history of Journey Women going on this week that you will not want to miss out on. Courtney and the Gospel Coalition are graciously giving away two registrations to the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference next June and one registration to a Women's Training Network event of your choice in 2020. 
Go enter, y'all, because I would love to hug your neck at TGCW 20. Best giveaway ever. If you need them, you can find the discussion questions, recommended resources, and the information on our guests over on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com. So you know this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Could fall, we could fly. We don't know if we don't try. It's the start of the rest of our lives.